You know, this whole season that we're in at the moment and this whole series is how we deepen our identity as individuals in Christ, but also as a church together with Christ. And, um, you know, you know, I know that you know lots of the things that I'm going to say. And, you know, this has been a rich and church with lots of heritage completely uh, for many, many years. But before, uh, some people have been talking to me, Pastor Mark, what's your vision? What's that? I'm not going to do vision just yet. Will you, will you give me some grace? All I want to do is breathe just some, almost some foundations, some foundations that, you know, you may already know, but some foundations that you may just really need to rediscover and say, that's solid. I want to stand on that so that we can be somebody to our community, to our families. Can I say to you as as husbands, you are the priest of your family. And it's not uh, the wife, you are also a priest in your family. But husbands, you are the priests of your family. And it's really important that you build some foundations in to do that. You're the priest at your workplace. To your work colleagues, you have to carry some things. It's clear from this scripture that we're royal priests, that we walk in the courts of the king and we take something of his presence into where we go to every day, into our work colleagues. We have the awesome responsibility of taking God to others and actually we take others to God. That's what priests do. That's what Jesus did as our mediator. But in some way, our awesome responsibility is to do that. We often really feel unworthy for this task, don't we? That who am I to carry God to people or to assume that I can do that? Or who am I to take God to, uh, to carry people to God or God to people? Who am I? We do feel a little bit unworthy, but actually God's got us covered. You see, in the Bible, this is what clothing meant. More than clothing, it was really a grace covering, something where God says, look, anything that you feel unworthy about or inadequate about, I've got you covered. He's he's got you filled. Each time we see clothing in the Bible, it does mean something, actually. It means something that John the Baptist dressed the way he did. It means something that you're supposed to have spiritual armour on. Men don't get clothes, do they, ladies? They don't get the importance of them, do they? Okay, older men maybe. You know, some of you young dudes are much more fashionable, aren't you? Oh, you're not with me at all. Uh, Women... Just forget that the men are here for a minute and let's just have a chat. Men do not get clothes, do they? I mean, let's face it, men keep the same hairstyle for 10 years, don't they? Don't you agree? Basically, a man can have three pairs of shoes and that's way enough for them, don't you think? Now, there's probably some men who say, I've got lots of shoes, I've got lots of shoes. Trainers do not count as shoes, men. (laughs) If a man shows up at a party in the same outfit as somebody else, they could become lifelong friends. 
I, I, I had the same shirt on as a guy in the, in the uh, prayer meeting on Wednesday. We instantly bonded. <laughs> it was great. Men, men don't get it, do they? If you ask a man to know more than five colours, they don't know any more than five colours, okay? They think you're being weird if you, if you ask them to know any more than five colours. You know, they've got one wallet. Why would you need two wallets? You've got one wallet, one pair of shoes for most things, one colour for all seasons. But we, with the women here, clothes are important, aren't they? And, and I'm not being sexist, I'm not being stereotypical or anything like that. Some of you guys are really fashionable dudes, I really get it. But actually, in the scriptures, clothing is very important. And it actually means something. When, when God says that he's giving me priestly garments, what he means is that I'm doing something for you and enabling you to do something. That's actually what the clothes mean in the scriptures. In fact, the power of this is in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, where it says, for all of you have been baptized into Jesus, have been clothed and clothe yourself with Christ. In other words, put him on, do what he does and receive from him what he wants to give you. That's what that means. And so when I want to talk to you about priestly garments today, it's more than just symbolism. God is trying to press into your spirit, I've got you covered. I put my righteousness on you, and when you feel inadequate to serve me in the world, I'm making up the difference. In fact, Romans chapter 5, verse 17 says that we have an abundant provision of righteousness so that we reign in life. Oh, there's been times this week where I haven't really felt that like I'm reigning. But we reign in life. He makes up the adequate inadequacies. You are not inadequate and you are not unworthy. Can I just speak that into your spirit till you can serve him? He has got you covered. He's got you covered today. Despite any mistakes of the past, now we can fuel that righteousness by living in faith. Paul said, I want to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus. When you walk by faith and say, God, I'm going to trust you, he's got you covered. Now, you don't buy that righteousness or, or anything like that, but this is an old hymn, isn't it? Trust and obey, for there's no other way. When you trust him and obey him, he strengthens you, he's got you covered. So today, wearing clothes in the scriptures is more than just symbolism. It's this. It's the grace covering of God where it's his provision to equip us and to teach us, hey, I'm doing this for you, you do this for me. That's what the priestly garments were all about. Do you know that Aaron passed on his garments to his sons? And the reason he did that is because they meant something, they were meant to teach them something. It wasn't just hand-me-downs, it was this means something, learn this. And today, what I want to kind of teach you is just one thing about the priestly garments and 
and that that you become that. It's the same with the spiritual armor. You know, when we teach about the spiritual armor from the New Testament, from Ephesians chapter six, where it says, put on the breastplate of righteousness or put on the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace or take up the sword of the spirit. Those are not just prayer declarations or things to say, oh, if I shout loud enough, that'll happen. It's not that. Actually, to take up the sword of the spirit is to become an expert in the Bible. It's to know the word and use the word well. To have a breastplate of righteousness is to live righteously. To have a, a belt of truth means that you know the truth, live the truth, and the truth dwells in you right from your inner parts, as the psalmist says. So when we talk about clothing in the Bible, we're talking about provision and also something you can become. And when the Bible talks about the priestly garments, if you're going to be a priest, the priest wore these things to exhibit something they were becoming. And that's what I pray for you today. If you've got a Bible and you can turn there or turn it on or the way that you uh, read your Bible, go to Exodus chapter 28 with me and we'll just read two verses uh, from verse 29 and verse 30. It says this, whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart. Oh, who are you carrying in your heart? He will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breastpiece of decision as a continuing memorial before the Lord. See, this breastpiece, this breastplate, was not just a jeweled decoration. It was teaching the priest how to make decisions about the people of God or about some of the things that the people of God were going through. There's also like a little bag on the, attached to the breastplate piece and it says this, I also put the urine and the thunim in the breastpiece so that they may be over Aaron's heart. Whenever he enters the presence of the Lord, thus Aaron will always bear the means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. Can you get the kind of illustration that Aaron, I'm not just asking you where to wear something nice, I'm asking you to become discerning. I'm asking you, how do you make decisions on my behalf and on the people's behalf? You see, one of the ideas here is that we can move into the presence of God with things for people and get decisions, but also that we come out of the presence of God or, or come from the presence of God, we're never out of the presence of God, with wisdom and discernment so we know some of the good things to do for people and for our own lives. You see, even this strange way of finding guidance, uh, there was a, the urine of Thunim. Some people say that one was black, one was white, and they were, there were two stones, and the priest would put his hand in a bag, and, and he said, if the white stone comes out, you go there. And uh, some people would say, well, that sounds like a game of chance or a game of dice, but actually it was a walk in faith to say, well, if that's what God said, that's what I'm going to follow. And not, oh, put the white one back in, let's pull the black one out because I don't like what the white one means. It wasn't that. It was more of a faith and obedience thing. 
But of course, we have the Holy Spirit today and the Holy Spirit is trying to help us and, and fashion in us how do we discern the will of God? It's one of the hardest things that we ever do, isn't it? To say, God, is that really you? There was a farmer one time who was a really good farmer. Actually, his farm was flourishing. He's doing really well. And uh, one day as he's out in the field, he looks up and he thinks the clouds come together and, and make huge letters in the sky uh, going, uh, G, P, C. And he kind of shakes and thinks, oh man, this is amazing. Go preach Christ. God's given me a new job, a new, a new way of going. He doesn't pray about it, you know. Go preach Christ, you know. He doesn't talk to anybody about it. Go preach Christ. Anyway, so he goes off and he starts preaching and, you know, gets to a little church and they say, let me preach for you. And he preaches and it's awful. I mean, he's turning people away from Jesus. It's boring. You know, it's just awful. And anyway, he carries on and he carries on and, you know, and, and I guess we've all got to decide, well, Lord, what are you really saying? And he carries on and it's getting worse and worse. So he goes, he sits with, about six months later, he sits with, sits with an older pastor and he says, well, how did you think that you should preach Christ? This is terrible. You're turning people away. And he, and he said, well, I was in the field. I looked up the sky. There's big letters in the sky, GPC, go preach Christ. And the old pastor said to him, are you sure it wasn't go plant corn? <laughs> you know, we've got to think and be discerning and think that what's coming at me, is it really what God is saying? And that actually is what priests do. They discern what God is saying. And God calls you a priesthood, a nation that hears what God is saying. You see, to develop discernment, you need a mixture of your head and your heart. You need more than just uh, one thing. You need a mixture of your current relationship with God, how close you are at this moment. You need a mixture of your knowledge of what the Bible says and, and what he's saying an understanding of the scripture and, and where you're at at the moment is so important. Many of us just focus on one thing. There are some people who are ultra Bible experts and they can just give you a rote answer to everything. Oh, Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, call on the Lord so you should pray. And they don't think at all about what needs to be said from the word. And then there are people who don't know the word at all, but they're just going on their feelings and, and, you know, a cloud in the sky. But actually what God is saying, can you bring everything together so you can be holistic people so that you can discern what I'm doing? Because here's the thing, God wants to use you in your workplace. He wants to use you in your street. Do you know you're the pastor to your street? I'm not the pastor to your street, you are. I'm not the pastor to your block of flats, you are. I pastor my street. I pray for my neighbours, we walk and pray for our neighbours, we're friendly to everybody, we are pastoring our street. What are you doing? I know that you will be. But if you want to develop discernment, there are six tests. I'm going to say it ever so quickly. Six tests that you can kind of run your decisions through, begin to say how you can become a discerning person. For number one, 
First of all, you need the test of conviction. When Paul noticed that there was a slave girl following him, and she's saying all the right things, he became annoyed and troubled in his spirit. Now, I'm talking deeper than feelings here. I want to try and begin to say to you, we've probably preached too much, don't rely on your feelings, but actually what I'm saying to you is go deeper than your feelings and go deep in your spirit, in your conviction, that you hear a a kind of shalom in your heart about what's going on, a resonance. God's not a God of disorder, but he's a God of peace. Jesus, when he saw people weeping around Lazarus, it says he was troubled in his spirit. And actually, we've got to learn to begin to say, well, God, what is the conviction going on deep within me? Actually, in John chapter 13, verse 21, after he'd said what he said to his disciples, he'd just washed their feet and he was very troubled in his spirit. And he said, one of you is going to betray me. And, And so today, the first test of discernment is what's going on deep in your spirit? Is it peaceful? Is it together? Are you overly upset and reacting or are you flowing it's hard what I'm saying but actually this is maturity now rather than just saying find the reference that confirms what you do because you can find a reference for most of what you do the second test is this test of community trouble with the farmer was he didn't ask anybody because all my stories are true by the way both public and private have you got somebody who you can test out what you think is going on first corinthians 14 29 says two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what's being said there should be a test in the community of does this does this sense Is it being established by two or three witnesses? Who is it that you check things out with? Have you got a trusted friend? Have you got a pastor? Have you got a group leader or a cell leader? Have you got somebody within your circle where you say, you know what, I'm just going to pray with them about this before I go ahead. Thirdly, there's a test of consistency. And what I mean by that is it's, Is what's being said or being done consistent with the spirit of Jesus? Would Jesus do that? When you look at or hear somebody, sometimes you say, would would Jesus do that? Is that consistent with what he's like? Is it consistent with the scriptures? Now, I've said some things about not just picking a, a reference, but we do need to confirm things are biblical, don't we? Amen? We're a Bible believing church, and it's a it's our rock. But is it consistent with the scriptures? Is it consistent with what God has done in the past? You see, this is why I have real problems with some of the theology that our Muslim friends bring us. Because one of their things is is that that, uh, from uh, from the Dome of the Rock, that a horse took off and flew and carried the prophet. And I'm thinking, 
But that's not consistent with what God has done in the past. We don't see that. Even though we believe in miracles and things, we don't see some consistency there. So the test of consistency, is this really what Jesus would do? Is this really what the Bible's saying? Is that God? Fourthly, another test that you can run your decisions through is the test of Christ connection. Everything that the Holy Spirit reveals, everything that he does draws us closer to Jesus. If there's an opportunity or a person dragging you away from Jesus, then Bring that test out and say, this may not be good for me. This is not good for me. John 16, verses 14 says, he will glorify me. Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will and we will, he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is, is mine. And this is why I said the Spirit will receive from me and make it known to you. Is what you're deciding to do bringing you closer to Jesus? Hey, I'm just teaching today. I want to breathe some health in today. Anything that weakens your desire for Jesus, anything that you do that, that you're thinking, oh, I, I, it's making my interest in Jesus get less and less, then that's not a good test. First John tells us that there are many false prophets and we are to test the spirits, but here's how you can test one spirit. Anything that says Jesus is Lord, that's all right. Fifthly, there's a test of character that we need to look at. When somebody's speaking to us, it's got two aspects really. Is it promoting love? Is it coming from a place of love? Now, there can be tough love, and sometimes we accuse people of not loving us even when they're talking straight to us. But really, is it demonstrating love? Is it promoting love? Can it be done with grace? Is it being said from a character of grace? And you know in the New Testament that they had a kind of rule that they didn't allow strangers just to speak into the assemblies that they had together. And they, so... With somebody who is speaking into your life, what's their character like? Do you know them? Do you know their character? Do you know where they're coming from? In the, in the New Testament, it says Demetrius was well spoken of of everybody. They knew his character. In fact, there was an unnamed brother that Timothy wanted to bring along and he was so well known that they said, please bring him along because his character was established. And then lastly, if you want to make a decision, there's a test of consequence. You know, you know that I trained as a school teacher and one of our, and I don't want to sound school teacherish in a way, although bless you school teachers, uh, I'm getting myself in trouble. But um, we used to say to the children, if everybody did that, what would happen? And, and in a sense, one of the tests is, if you do this and follow this direction, where is that taking you? What is the fruit of the consequences of where you're going? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. Now, this is the test of a prophet. Now, in the Old Testament, and actually through the Bible, we've got a very harsh view of prophets, although they weren't that harsh. 
uh, to some. But this is really what you need to hear. But when, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their number one strengthening, for their number two encouraging, and for their comfort. It's not really prophecy if you don't feel strengthened by it or encouraged by it or comforted by it. Now, we know that sometimes there are things that are difficult to hear, but that might be pastoral. Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. The test of consequence, where will this take me if I make this decision? Oh, we are priests. We're taking God to people and people to God. And that's why this whole idea of being a priest means that we need to be discerning people. We wear a breastplate that says, you need to make some decisions. What's right? This whole talk about, you know, priesthood, it's kind of like if you're here today, and you're thinking, oh, the church is just talking to itself. But actually, it's an outward thing because we, we become priests so that we can take God to people. The discernment of living is really important so that you can be wise with people and that you can actually share the gospel in a wise way. You know, Paul, in, it actually says in Romans chapter 15, verse 16, I have the priestly duty of sharing the gospel. When you think of an evangelist, you don't really think of somebody in the priest, but here's the thing. If you're an evangelist, you have to go into the presence of God and bring and carry the presence of God out with you. So, priestliness connects you to God in such a way that you can connect others to God. It's not that people can't go to God for themselves. The priestly garments were different. I wonder, and maybe we'll get the worship team to just come now, but I wonder if you remember when you've read about the priestly garments, it's in the 40-day journey, but uh, the, the priest wore what, what's like, we call it a tabard or a, a, like a, a little bit like um, what a um, person who's playing football wears, you know, uh, an orange one or a yellow one. It's like a tabard, it's like a, an over apron. But on the top of the tabard, on the top of the ephod, were stones and they had all the names of the tribes of Israel on their shoulders. And then the breast piece had all the names of the tribes of Israel on over the heart. And here's what I think the Lord is saying to us. Sometimes we want to speak to people's heart, but we've never carried them on, our, on their shoulders. And I want to ask you, who are you carrying today? Who are you burdened for? Because as you carry people, then you can minister to their heart and carry them in your heart. This week, if you make a decision this week, maybe you could stand with me just for a few moments. This week, with any decision that you're making, would you run it through 
the test of conviction. What actually are you feeling deep within yourself? I'm not making things really subjective here, but actually we've got to start becoming a little bit more mature and saying, well, I walk with God for me. What's God saying deep in your heart? What about, would you, would you have the bravery to take your decision to some other people in the community and say, hey, I'm thinking of doing this, what do you think? I wonder if you could look for consistency and say to yourself, you know what? That which is being said to me, that doesn't feel like Jesus. It doesn't smell like Jesus. And it certainly isn't in the Word. Then reject it. I wonder if the thing that you're deciding to do, whether it's bringing you closer to Christ, or whether or not, you know, and, and God wants you to have promotions and he wants you to do things. But if you have a promotion at work, make sure you keep your dedication strong. How is your connection to Christ? Maybe you could run through your decision. Is, is the character of this person, is that something I can trust? I know it takes time for those things. But, if you do that decision, where will it take you? What will be the consequences? You see, what God wants to do for us to be, he, he wants for us to be priests in the right way. We've got to develop this discernment and walk with God. So let me ask you this. Who do you need to carry for a while? Who's on your shoulders? And who do you need to take to God in prayer? Who's on your heart? Because as priests, it isn't just about the presence of God. It's about the people of God and the people God wants to be his people. We often see priests as all about presence, going into the Holy of Holies. But actually, what we can learn from the garments is, carry the people with you. Come on, lift your hands with me and just bring somebody to God right now. There might be somebody in your family.